Well, good morning, church. Isn't that good to hear that story on this day? Uh, a few things before we go into service too far. Uh, one, for everyone who's been praying just for me and for my voice and our family through the season, uh, about 10 days ago, I woke up and I've had a morning voice that lasts for about 10 minutes. And then it goes away and, and that kind of thing. So anything I needed to get out has to happen in the first 10 minutes of my day. And, uh, and then about 10 days ago, I, I woke up and my morning voice didn't go away. And so um, not completely back, but back enough to preach without having to sub in and out. I'm thankful for all of those who've helped and pitched in in this time. But boy, it is nice to be able to say I'll be back in the pulpit next week and the week after that and the week after that. I think I've had enough weeks off for the next 10 years. So feeling, feeling good there. The one thing I, I want to let you know uh, kind of in the middle of that is, is what's going on here at First Baptist when it concerns giving. You know, at the end of the year is the time everybody talks about year in gifts and, and those kinds of things. I, I want to let you know um, it's been an, an intriguing year here at First Baptist and around the world. Um, to say that our staff has been godly stewards of the funds that people give as offerings unto the Lord would be an understatement because our team has done an incredible job of, of doing that. Uh, so much so, and so faithfulness, the giving, that I want to invite you to know, to know two things. One, um, that Lord willing, over our Christmas break, uh, we will be replacing the sound system here in the sanctuary, and we're not going to be asking for any money to be raised for that. Um, the giving has been sufficient enough for us to get that and then to help our video and at home virtual experience become great as well. So that's a huge praise on our end for that. Um, the second thing is um, we're called to be stewards not just of, of what's going on here but outside of that. And so uh, we have agreed with the finance and stewardship team to set aside $30,000 to help local ministry partners and missions partners who have really been hurting and struggling um, through this year to make sure that they um, know that we are with them. Uh, two of those partners, we're inviting you and, uh, uh, and others to join us if you want to give above and beyond with that. One of our mission partners is the Refuge for Women and uh, uh, women who have been involved in human trafficking and have, have been roped into that life and now are being freed from it. Uh, we partner, provide long-term care for the uh, and a safe place for them. Um, but we are trying to help put up a security fence to make sure that they can keep running uh, strong. And so you can help us give towards that if you desire. The second thing we're doing is the hurricanes this year missed Houston, but they didn't miss Louisiana. And so we're partnering with uh, our associational partners in Lake Charles to try and help cover the deductibles of pastors' houses that have been damaged in the storm so that they're not worried about keeping their roof above their head while they're trying to help keep everybody else's roof above their head and minister to them as well. And so if you would like to give towards those two specific things, um, you got a link in your email today. You can do that or you can go on our web webpage and go to give and click those things as well. Um, but it's a remarkable thing. Back in March, we had a meeting and said, Lord, we're going to be a good steward of your of your." giving or the giving unto you. And uh, we put into place about 15 contingencies to make sure that we could be faithful with whatever happened. Um, never would we have dreamed that at the end of the year, we would be able to give so generously to support our mission partners. Um, we're, we've given support to our missionaries throughout the year as well. Um, and so when you give, um, we don't always get to see what God is doing with it, but we are changing lives 
as the hands and feet of Christ all around the world by the giving that you do. And so praise God for that, and I wanted to share that with you. Before we go in the sermon, let's go ahead and start off with a word of prayer. Can we do that? Uh, Father God, thank you. Lord, I, I get it how David said, who are we? Who are we that we can give so generously to you? Lord, because the reality is, is that we, we can't even ensure our own security, God. Yet you, Father, have allowed us to be able to give generously as a church, as families, Lord, to make sure that the gospel is going out, to make sure that, that your stewards are being cared for, God, to make sure that the, the needy are being rescued. So, Father, this Christmas, Lord, if nothing else were to happen, if the world were to fall apart right now, Lord, we would still stand and say, who are we that we could be so generously giving to you? Father God, if you choose not to let that happen, Lord, we will continue to be faithful, God, so that you might bring the good news to all those who need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in, in three stories today. Mainly, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, but we'll also be in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. Um, when, I, when I heard the, the Luke passage read, I, there's something about the shepherd's experience that reminds me of what I, I feel at Christmas, right? And so I want you to go back with me and think about it. Is there one particular Christmas that you really remember? Like one Christmas morning that you just, man, you really remember? <clears throat> I'll tell you the one that stuck out in my mind as you're thinking. The one that stuck out in my mind as the one I probably remember the most details about was the Christmas before I got married. Christy and I were engaged, and I was going to Christmas in Alabama, and she was going to Christmas in Texas, and I didn't understand why my in-laws didn't understand that she needed to be with me this Christmas. And I remember talking to my mother-in-law on the phone, her probably dreading that this would be her future son-in-law, and saying, but this is our first Christmas together. And I remember her just so kindly saying, and this is our last Christmas with just us. At that moment, I simultaneously was offended because she didn't understand how important it was to me and questioning, what does it mean? I'll be at your Christmas next year. Am I going to mess it up? But I remember just the, the difficulty of that Christmas thinking, I just want to be with my beloved. Man, that next Christmas was our first Christmas together. I don't remember anything about it, but I'm sure it was good. Isn't it funny sometimes how joy fades and difficulty prospers? Has that ever happened to you? The hard things, the difficult things are the ones that stay around with us. I can tell you most of the rough Christmases we've had in our marriage. But to tell you the details of all the good ones, they fade no matter how good they are. I want to let you know this Christmas that the good news of Jesus Christ was never designed to fade. It was never meant to change. Listen to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 7. It says, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, 
rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, this is amazing because, first of all, the, the conversation from Paul is to the church. So you can't understand or really feel this passage unless, unless you've accepted Jesus Christ. Just like you can't understand the joy of Christmas morning if you've never had the joy of Christmas morning. And so what the Bible says to start off with is this, is just as you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, so walk in him. This, this word received means just as you have taken up, as you've picked up, as you've built in as a part of you educationally, it would mean that information that you grabbed onto is now a piece of you. And what Paul says is, just as you have taken up Jesus, God made flesh, Christ, the Savior, Messiah, the Lord submitting to his Master, his lordship, just as you have received that, so walk in it. And then I, I started finding this moment, thinking about Christmas and Mary. I thought, when was the first time Mary submitted to that idea? She would have known the Messiah. She was told the name of Jesus. But when did she submit to that moment? And although I can't pinpoint the direct time in history, I will tell you what Luke chapter 31 verse 38 says. This is what Mary says after being told by an angel, you're, pre- you're going to be pregnant or you're pregnant with the Messiah. And she says, can't happen. I haven't been with a man. I'm betrothed, but we're not, we're not married yet. And, and he says, no, no, no. God's worked this out. And so you, you are carrying the Messiah. Her last words to the angel are these in Luke chapter 1 verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your will. At that moment, somewhere there or before, Mary said, Lord, I submit to your plan. This Messiah that you have named, I am all in with. You see, that moment isn't a marker on the journey But that moment marks the reception, the beginning of the journey. I started to wonder when it comes to you and I, do you remember the first time you received Christmas? Let me say that differently. Do you remember the first time that you received the meaning of Christmas? Jesus Christ, my Lord, has come for me. Studies show that once we profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that within a few years, two to three years, the memory starts to fade. What I was like before Christ, what he saved me from, what it meant to receive the greatest gift fades, and we start seeing ourselves differently and and we aren't supposed to look back but the joy of that moment do you remember what it was like to say Jesus I receive you I receive who you are I receive what you do and I receive you as master of my life for me in 1989 
as a student, second-guessing my faith from the time I professed him and was baptized as a small child up. I remember being tired in the cold at a retreat. We just had small group. Nothing crazy was going on. And it just hit me. Jesus died for me. He came for me. And I've done nothing. I've done nothing for him. In that moment on a cold, semi-frozen picnic table, I remember being joyful and sorrowful simultaneously. I, I remember what hope setting in felt like. Do you know what was absent that day? An ounce of pride. Do you, know, do you know what was missing that day? A judgmental spirit. Some of these things that I've picked up along the way in my Christian walk, none of those things were there. The day that I received Jesus Christ, that moment was the beginning. And what Paul says is, go back to that moment when the babe was your Lord and the reality of who he is set in. And just as you received him, walk in him the word walk is literally just live that way live that way jesus is not a camp high he's not a sugar rush he's not a band-aid for hurt seasons and when the season is over we pull him off in that moment let it carry through the spirit tells john in revelations to tell the church at ephesus out of all the good that they do, out of all that they've picked up, losing that moment and leaving it behind is the worst thing that they could do. Return to that moment. You see, this Christmas, all the planning is going in, the baking is happening, the decorations are up, the light bulbs are getting run over, amen? And everything's going on. What would happen if you took time to relive the moment you received Jesus? Have you ever spoken that story to your child or to your friend or to your spouse? Have you ever brought them into that journey? Are you living it that way now? The memory was supposed to be the beginning, not a moment. So how, how do we do that? I thought about that as I was thinking of Christmas. I am the worst surpriser present person ever. Christy's had three Christmas presents so far. I don't know what I'm getting her for Christmas. You follow me? Are you one of those people? Where you just, I'm just giving it all the time. But for me, and Christy's the worst at this, she doesn't give stuff ahead of Christmas time. She wraps it up in different size boxes. Who in here is a different size box wrapper? You weight down your presents and those kinds of things. Yeah, you've harmed me for years and you didn't even know it because I love going and picking up presents and trying to guess, right? I want to know what's inside of them. If the paper doesn't rip, I'm in the clear. Amen. You following me? Like as long as it looks pretty, I want to try and figure it out. I love in the word trying to figure it out. The beauty of it is what we have forgotten, what we have lost. 
in remembering what it was to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. So God, how do I live in it now? It's not a a present wrapped to deception. It's clearly articulated in the word. Look at verse 7 of Colossians chapter 2. It says, rooted and built up. Rooted and built up. How do we live? Well, the way that we live is we live by being rooted firmly, deep, so that we can be built up, mature towards completion. See, I was a a transplant kid most of my life. Although we lived in Houston most of our, our time, we moved from house to house to house to house to house to house. We'd go to different high schools back and forth, different junior highs and those kinds of things. And so for me, being replanted over and over and over again was normal. Sometimes in our faith, we think that replanting and starting over and starting over and starting over or trying this or trying that or today today I'm going to go to a non-denominational church or today I'm going to a Baptist church today I'm going to a Methodist church today I'm going to a, a Bible church tomorrow I'm going to a family church tomorrow I'm going to just a church just, I'm just going to keep replanting and Lord eventually you'll get it maybe you have 1400 Bible studies at home where you started the first lesson of every one What the Lord says is for you and I, the way to live in Christ is not to get unrooted and replanted, unrooted and replanted. It's to dig deep into the gospel that's tied to that first moment. Look what Mary did in in Mary chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 49. Mary has received this good news. She's got decisions to make. Most likely a teenager being told that she was pregnant and the Lord has made her this way. She submits to his will, but how does she submit? Does she submit and say, God, the Lord, Lord, the road is gonna be hard. It's gonna be difficulty. But if this is the lot that you have for me, skewer me until I come home, right? Instead, no, what does she say? Look. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, the difficulties are still to come. You know, rich 15-year-old dreams, YouTube, influencers, what in a thing. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, and he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. They will call me blessed, for he is mighty who has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Do you see, Mary said, not only will I not allow this to be just a moment that passes, I will root my whole identity from this day forward in this moment. Blessed is the one who gave it to me, and holy is his name. Church, her road was not easy. Not only would she have had to endure the shame of people not believing her story, the fear of not knowing what Joseph would have done. Not only in the middle of this would they have had to figure out how to navigate life with this branding on them in a society where judgmentalism was the favorite game of the day. She would have to see her son called a madman, abused, beaten, and killed. And what does she say I will define my life. I will root it into this moment. 
You see, the moment didn't move with her. It moved her. Church, this morning, that first gaze that you had, and I hope you're reliving it. Don't get caught up in my words. Stay in your moment. That first gaze at the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ. That freedom that maybe you've forgotten, and so it feels heavy to follow. In that moment, he invited you to follow him. He didn't ask to be your companion through your journey. In that moment, he said, in me, you will move, you will live, and you will breathe. In me, you will be a new creation. That's what it means to be rooted and built up. You and I aren't just trying to make a bigger plate of treasure to present to Jesus by being rooted in him, but being rooted in him, he is working in you and me to completion of his plan, of his purpose for his glory. You see, that's that's the way that we live what we first received. But Paul doesn't stop there. In, in chapter 6, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 7, it says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Paul says, you're going to settle it, establish it. You're going to settle yourself down in the truth. You see, God doesn't need our enlightenment this Christmas. <clears throat> I read a book once about how the angels might have received the idea of Christmas, a Max Licato book. And just an interesting thought of, of them saying, you want to do what to bring salvation? He's going to be easy pickings for the enemy. Can you imagine how many times the enemy would have tried to kill the babe before he became a man? Can you imagine the difficulty and the book was about, well, we've got to stand card. We've got to walk by the donkey. We've got to stand outside the manger. We have to protect him from the inn. It was just a, a creative fictional illustration of that thought. Because why? God's ways are higher than ours, and his ways are not like ours. That would include the angels and all of creation. Church, this morning, what Christmas calls us to is to be established in the one who knows and not try to establish ourselves and invite him with us. Can you imagine those things happening that first Christmas? The temptation for Joseph to make something happen and the Lord keeping him from it the whole time. Established in the faith means putting your feet into the person, the gospel, the work, and the lordship, the authority of Jesus Christ, and never moving from there. He doesn't need to conform to modern times. He doesn't need to understand politicians, governments. He doesn't need to be made relevant. Instead, he says, if you want to live in my truth, in faith in the gospel, then you stay planted in my word. Church, Jesus doesn't want you to get another self-help book for Christmas. 
He doesn't want you to spend a four to two ratio, a four to nine ratio, a one to ten rate, whatever, where anything comes close to what you're doing with him because we're not rooted if we're not established in our relationship. This Christmas, are you established in the gospel or are you just trying to get pieces to help make life make sense and Jesus is one of those? Verse 7 ends this way. After it says, Establish in the truth, in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding means to have plenty, to overflow, and thanksgiving, your Bible, may be the word gratitude. Do you know the mark of Christ is a servant who's grateful? I've heard many people tell me about tables and furniture they're buying for Christmas. But why would Omar choke up where the guy at Ashley's Furniture Store never does? Because he's abounding in gratitude. How could Paul say, we're blessed to suffer? How could they walk out of prison praising God for the suffering they would endure? Because the suffering wasn't real, hard, dangerous, or hurtful? No, it was all of those things. But when you and I are established in Christ, when you and I are being built up because we're rooted in the truth of the moment the gospel became known and life-changing to us, then we can abound in gratitude no matter what our circumstances. Whether Christmas this year is a feast or a famine, whether you're feeling like you've lost because you couldn't provide for your children or grandchildren what you normally do, whether you're wandering in the dark of pain or sickness. The mark of the gospel is gratitude. I thought about Mary. She had been told she would be pregnant by the Lord she submitted. She then found Elizabeth and she proclaimed the good news. My identity would be in him. She and Joseph make the journey to Bethlehem. They find themselves sleeping in a stinky place. The child is born, the Messiah, in a non-COVID-friendly environment, right? And shepherds, now, now look at this, come on. The shepherds were great needed men, right? I used to tell everybody, if all the pastors and all the plumbers disappear on the same day, pastor, don't expect a phone call for about a week, but these were blue-collar guys walking into the hospital stable room the night the baby is just born. If cleanliness is next to godliness, no one's godly in there. And they say, we've come to worship the child. No showers. You don't know who we are. Few teeth missing. What does Mary do? Luke chapter 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all of these things, and she pondered them in her heart. The word ponder, it means to hold close and to stir, to continue thinking. It's not just a moment. It's a treasure that keeps making its way to the surface. 
You see, Mary was abounding in gratitude because it didn't matter who was coming because she was invited to a story that was too big for her. So it didn't matter that it was that it was shepherds. It didn't matter if it was magi. It didn't matter if it was sheep, donkeys, or dogs. Why? Because Mary was invited to a story that was too big for her, and every time she got to live, move, and breathe in it, she was grateful. Church, that is what Christ calls us to today. That that's the meaning of Christmas is that God became flesh and dwelt among us, but he didn't come just to dwell and check it out. But instead, he came so that we might receive the gift that only he offers. And in receiving that gift, he didn't think it should be some Christmas gift that we are thankful for for the week and then forget about in a month as you have received Jesus Christ, your Lord. Walk that way. Could you imagine the testimony of the kingdom of God if the gratitude for following the king, for living in his story, was our constant marker? that the bad times were nothing and the good times were glorious. Not because of the season, but because of the Savior. This is the gospel that God, under no compulsion of man, decided to redeem what was only worth redeeming because he said so. And he gave his son so that all who would receive him, Jesus, God made flesh, Christ, the Savior who could rescue us from our sins, the Lord as master of their life, could walk with him forever. That, that's Christmas. So take your thermometer out and see, Lord, am I rooted in you today? Or like that tree and the plant, do I have my roots exposed because I've just been trying everything else? The good news is, is that the Lord has already dug the hole for you to be replanted just like the Father made the gate ready for the wayward child. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, this morning, we praise you for the reality of Christmas. That Mary, a young woman herself, that she received you and submitted to your plan. That she found her identity, God, now a part of your story. and in all the wildness and wackiness of her life, she found gratitude because of your invitation. Lord, let us live as we had received you, that our children may know 
that our neighbors may know, that our work co-workers may know, that our doctors may know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen.